Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Jason Noble speaking, and I'll be your chief flight attendant for today's flight. On behalf of Captain Pete Chiafalo and the entire crew, welcome aboard Hillside Airlines Flight 1201. At this time, make sure your seatbelts and tray tables are in their full upright position and that your seatbelt is correctly fastened. When the seatbelt sign illuminates, you must fasten your seatbelt. Insert the metal fitting one into the other and tighten by pulling on the loose end of the strap. To release your seatbelt, lift the upper portion of the buckle. There are several emergency exits on this aircraft. Please take a moment now to locate your nearest exit. In some cases, your nearest exit may be behind you. In some, if we need to evacuate the aircraft, floor-level lighting will guide you toward the exit. Doors can be opened by moving the handle in the direction of the arrow. Each door is equipped with an inflatable slide, which you may also be detached and used as a life raft. Now, you may need the exits during this time. I hope you don't need a life raft, however. But some of you probably traveled here during the holiday seasons, and if you were on an airplane, you heard a message similar to that one. Now, if you've traveled more than once on an airplane, you've probably tuned that message out every time you get in. Maybe you plug in your uh, phone or your headphones and you just kind of don't even listen to that anymore. But how crazy is it when an airline like Southwest mixes up that message and says something different? Kind of throws you off a little bit, doesn't it? How crazier further would it be if nobody said anything? What if you got on an airplane And they didn't say anything. They didn't give you any instructions. Even though you know the instructions, even though you've heard it a thousand times, what if it was just silent? Would it feel weird? Yeah, it'd feel weird. Would you feel unsafe maybe? I think you would. Because something about that message, something about that thing that you've heard over and over again makes you feel comfortable. It makes your airplane flight feel like an airplane flight. Well, the holiday season is upon us, as we've already pointed out. And similar to flying on an airplane, there are certain things that we do year in and year out that make the holidays feel like the holidays. So today's the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. It's also the first Sunday of Advent, which is the season traditionally when the church anticipates and celebrates the coming birth of the Lord Jesus as a baby. Here at Hillside, it's also, as you've seen, baby dedication, And we gave you an update on the legacy campaign there in that video just a second ago, which is all about the next generation of what we're doing for our kids here at Hillside. So with the intersection of all of those things, legacy, baby dedication, Advent, Thanksgiving, the holidays, I thought it was appropriate to discuss how these things can connect in our own daily spiritual lives. So today the message is called, Have Yourself a Merry Little. And believe it or not, this message is not about how to have a great holiday season, not how to have a great Christmas, because the truth is you already know how to do that, unless you're the Grinch, and then you know how to do that. So uh, whatever you anticipate coming up in the season, you're going to do the same things you've done over and over again. You know what that's like. You have traditions and memories of Christmases past, and you already know what makes the holidays feel like the holidays. So instead, I want to look at what we can learn from our holiday traditions, from Thanksgiving, from Christmas, and from other holidays that we can apply to everyday life. 
We're also going to look at some holidays that you may not be so familiar with, the Jewish festivals or the Jewish holidays. If you want to, you can read a little bit about those. You can flip into your Bible if you're so inclined to uh, Leviticus chapter 23. You've never heard a sermon from Leviticus before, have you? Well, it's not the most interesting, although there's quite a bit packed into that chapter that we can learn. So let's see what we can find out from that. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to learn some simple, not complicated, simple lessons about faith and family that we can learn from the holidays. So to do that, we're going to look at five words. I'll start with the letters in the word Mary. And the first one is this. It's memories. Memories. M stands for memories. So again, you already know what traditions and memories are. You know what makes Christmas feel like Christmas and Thanksgiving feel like Thanksgiving. The word memory invokes those past experiences and they make you feel a certain way, good or bad. But a lot of times at the holidays, we try and focus on past positive experiences in our lives. So the first simple thing that we can learn for our day in and day out life is that each day we should focus on some past positive experiences. Philippians 4.8 gives us a great kind of list of things to think about. It says this, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So this should include past positive experiences from your spiritual life. And especially as you seek to raise your children or your grandchildren, make sure you spend some time regularly rehearsing with them past positive experiences. And if possible, turn those into a regular tradition. So one tradition that we've established in my household, and I did maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now, I told you I have a a two-year-old or a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old daughter's And so early on, as they started to get a little bit old enough to be able to understand what was going on, I started taking them out in what we call a daddy-daughter date. So the daddy-daughter date is on the day of their birthday each month. So my daughter's birthdays are July 9th and then April 29th. So on the 9th and the 29th each month, I just take them out. We just do something fun. So um, that became a tradition for us, so much so now that my four-year-old wants to know when he can start going on his daddy-daughter date. I'm going to have to clarify a little bit that I don't know how we're going to, what we're going to call it, but yes, pretty soon he and I are going to start going out for some times together. Thankfully, their birthdays are spread out enough. Uh, His is on the 2nd of February, so we can have a little bit of that time, but that's become a tradition in our household. Um, And one of the things that I used to do, um, or one of the things that I'm changing, I should say, is we used to talk about stuff that's going on and I might try and use it as a teaching time. Well, nowadays I don't. I really try and focus on something positive in their life. I don't talk about what their school, like what the things that they need to be working on in schoolwork or some behavior change that they need to make. We just try and enjoy each other, just focus on something positive from their lives and focus on, on something good that's going on. So I know there are times to correct. I know there are times to change, but that's not the time for it. And I've learned that over the years because, you know, I want the daddy-daughter dates to, to be an enjoyable experience and for them to actually look forward to it. And these days, they seem to. So, so maybe you don't have kids in your home. So maybe for you, it's not about family, but it's about your own personal faith. Um, in your spiritual lives, you need to find some regular daily time, if possible, to think back about positive experiences in your spiritual life. 
So you can ask yourself simple questions like, how has God shown up in the past? Or how has he blessed you? Or how has he helped you through some tough situation that you've been going through? And then turn that into a tradition. Ask yourself a question every day. Have yourself or make yourself write something down on a regular basis and then look back over it. And, and over the course of time, if you do that type of writing, journaling, you might call it, um, and spending time in God's word, you can see how you've changed. You can see how you've grown and you can see how God has worked in your lives. So you've got to take time to do that though. Turn that into a tradition. And when you do that, you can start to feel like at the holidays, like on an airplane, when certain things happen, certain practices happen, you'll start to feel like, okay, I know that God's been at work and it'll be easier. Maybe it's been a tough thing in the past and now it becomes easier for you to do that as it becomes a tradition. Now, when I grew up, kind of in the church tradition I grew up in, we were taught to have a daily quiet time with God. But what I kind of felt like they were teaching, and maybe they weren't, maybe I just wasn't paying good enough attention, but what I felt like they were teaching was that that was the time that we crammed our heads full of more information about God. You gotta read God's word, you gotta read in the Bible. That's The purpose of that was for information. Well, the more that I think about it, the more that I experience life, the more I realize that's really not the most important thing about spending a regular time with God. It's not about having more information. Um, it's about... You know, those, those, the time of rehearsing what God has done, the positive past experiences. Um, a ph- philosopher that I've been re- reading lately, he's a Christian guy, his name is James K.A. Smith. And he says this, he says, modernity or modern culture has taught us that we are what we think. We are what we think. But what that's done is it's created a view of humanity and created a view of us, of people, that we're just thinking things or that we're like a brain on a stick. Like that's the only thing that matters is our brains, not our body, not the other parts around us. And is one of the things I love about what Pete said last week at the end of his sermon is the physical life matters. It's not just about what happens inside of our heads. Everything else matters to our spiritual lives. Everything else matters to who we are becoming as a follower in Christ. So let me illustrate this to you. One thing that I wasn't so happy about with Pete, he kind of ruined my illustration last week um, in his talk. Those of you who know um, what he talked about last week will know. I had my hip replaced about a year and a half ago. Yeah, some of you were here last week. So Pete pointed out that um, people have hip replacement surgery for reasons other than uh, walking pain-free. And while I will agree with him that there are many benefits to having a brand new hip, um, one of the things I was looking forward to is something that he didn't mention, and that's this. See, I have never been able to sit cross-legged without pain. I remember my first memory of it was in kindergarten, and the teacher said, all right, let's all sit around. They used to call it Indian style back then. We don't call it that anymore. So we say crisscross applesauce or sit on your pockets, um, whatever the different terms are now. Well, I can't do that without pain. And the reason is because, so I can go my right leg all the way down. So I've always just sat like this or like this because I can't do this without pain. Um, And come to find out as a 45 year old, when I finally went to the doctor because my hip was bad enough in pain, I had what, I was born with what's called dysplasia. And that means the socket and the ball of my hip joint were misformed 
And that meant that things weren't able to operate the way they were. So my left hip didn't operate as smoothly as my right hip or as the way most of you guys and the way your hips operate. So it just didn't work the way it was supposed to. So I always experienced that pain. But I just thought that was a normal part of life. Never went to the doctor for it until it got so bad. I finally went to the doctor and I had three different doctors say, yeah, you just need a new hip. So I thought that if the problem was the deformity in the bones, well, as soon as I got new bones made out of metal that were gonna be perfectly formed, that I would be able to sit crisscross applesauce without pain. Well, guess what? It's not true. And here's what I, occurred to me afterwards. Um, I realized that 45 years of my muscles and my tendons being trained to operate a certain way wasn't gonna go away overnight. And several people have asked me since the first service, well, could you stretch it out and could you learn, teach your muscles and your tendons to do that? Maybe, I might be able to, but it's been a lot of years that things are used to working a certain way. And now, of course, I don't wanna pop the new one out by trying too hard because it doesn't really matter, right? If I can sit crisscross applesauce. But here's the point. If information or knowledge about God is the skeletal system, like the bones inside my hip, then the memories, the traditions, and the habits are the soft tissue surrounding the bones. And so if those are the soft tissue surrounding bones, then personal spiritual transformation requires more than just putting correct information in our heads. We have to work on the habits, the memories, the traditions, the soft tissue, so to speak, as well. And that happens First, through rehearsing those positive memories about how God has worked in the past and then establishing regular traditions or habits to do that over and over again. And then when you start to do that, just like you know what makes the holidays feel like the holidays, in your own personal spiritual life, you'll be able to say, okay, I'm making progress. This is where God wants me to be. And you'll start to feel like you're in the right place. You'll start to stretch those out. That's the process that God designed for how we transform, not just more information. So maybe you don't have a whole lot of past positive um, personal experiences with God. Let me address that. Maybe it's because you're too young and you think, you know, I'm eight, I'm 10, I'm 12, I'm 18, and I don't have a whole lot of experience. Maybe it's because you're young in your faith and you're like, man, I just gave my life to Christ two weeks ago. Well, what do you mean past positive experiences with God? Maybe you don't believe at all. And you're like thinking, you know, I I don't even know how I would get those experiences. Well, the scriptures give us great examples of that. Um, And that's the first place that I would start. And that's where, believe it or not, well, I don't recommend that you start your Bible reading plan in Leviticus because it's a bit dry because it's about the rules of the community of the Israelite people. Um, Leviticus 23 actually gives us Uh, some great examples of celebrations, of holidays, of festivals that God told the Jewish people to do so that they could remember how he had been faithful to them in the past. So I wanna look at one specifically right now. The Feast of Tabernacles, that's found later in the chapter, verse 33. And the Feast of Tabernacles, the term tabernacle, you may know, it, the, a tabernacle or the tabernacle was the tent of meeting where God met with his people before the temple was built. And so that's what the term actually means. It's just a tent. But sometimes the feast is called the Feast of Booths. It's really just a tent. So when you dig into it, 
when he told them, you're supposed to have an eight-day um, festival of tabernacles, it was just a big, massive camping trip. They just, they put up tents, and for a week every year, they just went out and they camped, and they just had a blast. Um, and it reminded them of two things. It reminded them of the harvest. They did it right after harvest time. So it was kind of like Thanksgiving in that way. So they'd have a big meal. It was celebrating God's provision through the harvest. And it reminded them of the fact that God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt through a desert where they had to stay in tents for 40 years because they couldn't build homes. And then when he brought them into the promised land, then they were able to establish things. So two points. They, they were celebrating the, God's provision from, for harvest and they were celebrating um, that he had brought them through the wilderness out of slavery. So it was kind of like Thanksgiving mixed up with a massive 4th of July camp out. I mean, imagine the party that would be. They just ate, they celebrated and they did it all while sleeping in tents. Um, and those traditions were powerful in reminding them and giving them some memories of past positive experiences that God had done in their lives and for their nation. So they could look forward to the future with that. Well, that leads us to the next letter in our word. And that's the word exuberance. E is exuberance. You could also replace that with excitement. Really, that's just the fun part of things. Think about that camping trip, right? I mean, how exciting and fun would it be? How exuberant do you think the kids would be when every year they knew that at a certain time of the year, they were gonna get to eat as much fun stuff as they wanted. They were gonna get to camp out and that their parents couldn't even get out of it because they were forced to by the community, right? So it was like a massive camping trip. And I know camping trips don't always go according to plan, but um, they're fun, right? They're a blast to be able to do that, even if you're not a big camper. Um, a tradition I heard recently from a friend, uh, Chad Day, who attends Hillside here, he told me that they do something called weird dinner, weird dinner. And I was like, what's weird dinner? And he said, well, he said, it's not a very good name, but he didn't have a focus group to help him come up with the name. He came up with a name because one night his two boys just didn't want to eat dinner and they were throwing a fit. And he said, tonight we're going to have weird dinner. <gasps> what's weird dinner, dad? Well, he's making this thing up as he goes along. So he basically put a blanket on the floor in the living room and they just ate their dinner on the floor. So they just had a picnic and they called it weird dinner and the kids loved it. And now it's become a tradition in their household. So whether they spread the picnic table or the picnic blanket on the floor in the living room or do it in the backyard, they have weird dinner on a regular basis and the kids look forward to it. They have some fun with it. It's a tradition and it helps them to look back on how, it helps mom and dad, I'm sure, to look back on a positive time when they actually got the kids to eat dinner without fussing, which is a struggle in my household. But they also had fun with it, so the kids enjoy it. Um, you know, I was sitting at a restaurant yesterday just kind of writing some stuff for this, and this, in comes this family of four, um, probably about an eight or nine-year-old son, probably a six or seven-year-old daughter, mom and dad. Dad's got a graying beard. So, I mean, they weren't young, and they're all wearing their Christmas, matching Christmas PJs. And I'm like, that is interesting. And you could tell that they had done it before. This was not a first time thing. But I bet you on Thanksgiving every year, they give out their matching Christmas PJs and they go out and they celebrate as a family. And it just looked like they were having fun. Just something crazy, weird, fun to do for the holidays. And I bet you those kids look forward to it every year. Um, I, that's something that I have struggled with because I grew up with that, hey, you know, get the kids to behave a certain way and that's kind of the goal of life. And again, I said, even my first kind of daddy-daughter dates, I was like, hey, let's talk about this. And my kids are like, no. They just wanted to have fun. They just wanted to hang out with their dad. And so I've just said, 
you know what? That's more important. Um, even the scripture says this, Deuteronomy 16, 14 is a reference to the Feast of Tabernacles. And Moses says, be joyful at your festival, you and your sons and your daughters. You know what? Remember what God did, but have fun. Have fun while you're doing it. And the same can be true in your own personal spiritual life. Maybe you don't have kids around and you're like, okay, how do I have fun? Well, listen to some upbeat worship music. That's a habit I've gotten into on a regular basis. Now, I put on the worship music. I get up early in the morning so I can't crank it too loud, wake up the whole household, but I just put on some worship music while I'm doing some reading and some thinking. Um, Or write a thank you note to God. Or journal one thing that you're grateful for each day. That's something we've been trying to teach our kids on Wednesday nights here is to journal something they're grateful for every day. Um, Or, you know, put stickers in your Bible. Like I wouldn't write in my Bible when I was a kid unless I had like the exact right highlighter, you know? But nowadays you can buy a journal Bible that has space in there and it even comes with stickers. So my 15 year old loves to do that. So she just wants to stick stuff in her Bible and I don't know if she's like getting any good information out of it, but she's reading her Bible and she's having fun. And maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you just need to give yourself the freedom to enjoy it a little bit. Well, the next letter stands for a a common element that we see at the holidays. And you probably did some of this around the Thanksgiving table. Somebody probably said, what are you all thankful for this year? And that's an example of reflection. R stands for reflection. So part of any holiday is taking the time to reflect, not on just the positive parts of your past, but also on how you can grow because of that past. You reflect on the positive past, but then you go, okay, how can I grow? How can I transform? How can I be a better person because of this? Um, you know, a lot of time in our American holidays, we don't really maybe do a great job of that. You know, maybe at Veterans Day, we think about those who served in um, wars before and served in the military and, and gave us these freedoms that we have, but we don't really do that very well. You know, maybe at Thanksgiving, we, we say something we're thankful about, but we don't do a great job of that. Um, but you know, the Jewish festivals, it was built in. Um, each one of them was designed with a time of reflection. So God asked them to pause from regular work. So you think, okay, well, that just sounds strict and bossy that God would say, you can't do these certain kinds of work. But think about it. If everybody was forced to shut down their businesses and even the ladies couldn't fix a meal, everybody just had to hang out and take some time to think and to reflect. That's just how those things worked. And And how amazing would that be if in our day and age, if everybody was forced to do that? You know, there there were fewer and fewer stores that were open on Thanksgiving Day, and I was grateful for that. One, because, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to go out shopping on Thanksgiving. But, you know, when people have to work on those days, um, that that is kind of tough, right? They don't get a chance to do that. Um, And they don't get a chance then to take that day off and to reflect and to think. And that's actually my favorite part of the holidays, Not that I get to have a break, but that everybody does. And so everybody in all of your worlds, everybody that you work with, everybody that you interact with, everybody knows you're with your family, you're hanging out, you're taking a break, you're not doing anything, they're not gonna ask you to accomplish anything, they're not expecting you to to, uh, get their tax return done for them that day. All of that stuff just goes, gets set aside. And everybody gets a chance to take a break, have some space with no expectations and just reflect. 
Now, how can we apply that in our daily lives? Well, it's hard, but if you just purpose to do it, if you are intentional to set aside some time where you give yourself that break, where you say, no expectations, I'm not gonna answer emails, I'm not gonna answer phone calls, I I like to do it early in the morning because everybody else is asleep, so it works out really well for me. Even my kids are asleep. Um, And so I have that time to reflect and to think. And then that is one of the ways that I'm able to think back on what God has done in the past and go, how can I be a different person because of this? How can I grow and how can I transform because of this? But you have to find a way to do that. You have to find a way to set aside some time. Some people say they can do it in the middle of their workday. That is hard for me because I'm too ADHD to do that, but maybe you can. Maybe you can set aside time. All right, so it's okay to have fun. It's, it's good to remember the positive memories of the past. It's okay to reflect on ways we can grow, but don't forget that ultimately, it is not about you. Life is not about you, and it's not about how you can grow and get better. Life is about God and how we can glorify him. And so that's our next letter. The letter R stands for reverence. And that just reminds us, I don't mean to say you have to be quiet and solemn. We've already pointed out that God's cool with us having fun. We already pointed out that, you know, you you need to be positive. It's not just focus on negative things. That's not at all the point. The point is this. um, The best thing that we can do for our own spiritual lives is to worship and to praise and to revere God, to honor him. Now, usually we equate that with maybe worship songs, singing or listening to worship songs, but it's more than that. We need to make each day about worshiping God. I love the, the way that Pastor John Piper says it. He talks a lot about this. And here's, here's one of the things he says. He says this, the greatest favor God can do for us is to seek his praise in us as the consummation of our joy in him. read that again. The greatest favor God can do for us is to seek his praise in us as the consummation of our joy in him. In other words, the best thing that God can do for us is to give us the opportunity to praise him, to worship him, to glorify him, to honor him. And it's not a selfish act because the truth is he's the only being that's worthy of that anyway. So that in and of itself is the best thing you could spend your time on, the most valuable thing. But then God also knows it's also the best way for you to get better spiritually and for you to get better in every other aspect of life. Now that doesn't mean you're supposed to walk around with your hands raised or singing songs all the time. It just means that all of these other things we've talked about, setting aside time to focus on the positive things that God has done in your past, setting aside time to reflect on how you can grow from that, making sure you have fun and you enjoy him, that when you do those things, that in and of itself is your worship. That's what God wants to see you doing. That is what accomplishes your purpose on earth and the side benefit is that we become better people. So when I say reverence, I just mean remember, it's all about God and it's not about personal growth. But that personal growth happens to come as a byproduct when you make it about him. Now here's the final letter in the word Mary and it's this, it's the word youth, youth. So one of the highlights of the Jewish festival season is the celebration of Passover. Um, Passover consists of a meal with specific elements. So it was designated, you had to have this herb and you had to have this kind of um, bread cooked without 
yeast and all those different kinds of things. And each of those elements are designed to remind the people of the specific ways that God saved them from slavery in Egypt, okay? So all of those things were there to remind them. So they call this meal the Passover Seder. The Seder plate is often thought to be the centerpiece of the Passover Eve celebration. But Rabbi Mendel Kalmanson says this. He says, you know, the real focus of that celebration is not the plate and not the food, even though they take so much time to prepare it specifically and correctly. He says the real focus is the children. He tells us that even the name of the feast, it's called the Haggadah, and it means to tell or to instruct. And who are they telling and instructing? It's the children. Again, though, it's not just about the information. They make this a very memory-focused, habit-focused, feeling-focused experience for the kids. And one of the ways they do that is there's a script of questions that are to be asked. Why do we do it this way? Why do we do this? All of those questions are asked and scripted out. And the one who asks the questions is usually the youngest capable child in the room. So they find the child who is able to ask those questions and they give it that job every year goes to the youngest one. And the reason is this, the questions ensure that the lessons and the traditions of that celebration are passed along to the next generation. I tell our baby dedication class um, every time that we meet with them that um, in Moses's last sermon, before he knew he was gonna die in Deuteronomy chapter six, he, he gives the most important instruction in all of scripture. He says, the most important thing is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the very next thing he says after that is he says, teach this to your children. And then he gives them some instructions on how to teach it to, to their children. It's not complicated. He says, just do it when you wake them up in the morning. Do it when you sit down at a meal. Do it when you're walking along the road and when you put them to bed at night. And so in the most important lessons in scripture, the very next thing it says is you have to pass this along to the next generation. And the same is true for us today. So these simple lessons we can learn about faith and family, things like spending regularly focused time on positive memories about how God's shown up in the past, turn it into a tradition if at all possible. Make sure you have some fun in that process. Reflect on how you can grow and transform into a better person because of that. But always remember that it's not about you, it's about God and it's about glorifying and worshiping him. And then finally, that last thing that God instructed his people to do is to pass it along to the next generation. So you may be in the throes like these young families who are up here of child rearing right now. Um, Maybe you don't have children yet. Um, Maybe your children are not at home anymore. They've grown up, they've moved on. Maybe you don't even consider yourself a kid person at all. And you're like, man, I showed up the wrong Sunday. Well, think about this. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, God expects two simple things out of us. He expects each and every one of us to worship and glorify him. And he expects us to pass the faith along to the next generation. All the rest of it, all the rest of the traditions, all the rest of the ways that you do those things, you have some flexibility in. But he says, "Uh uh-uh, here's the two things you're gonna do. You're gonna worship me because that's the best thing I can give you is to give you that opportunity and you need to pass it to the next generation. We all have that responsibility. You know, that flight attendant spiel I read earlier, one of the last things that you'll hear a flight attendant announce is something like this. They'll say, in the event of a loss of cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will automatically appear in front of you. 
to start the flow of oxygen, pull the mask towards you. Place it firmly over your nose and mouth, secure the elastic band behind your head, and breathe normally. Although the bag does not inflate, oxygen is flowing to the mask. If you are traveling with a child or someone who requires assistance, secure your mask first and then assist the other person. We are all responsible to take the daily steps, the things we just learned from the holidays, both ours and the Jewish holidays, to take the daily steps to take care of our own spiritual lives. But then we're also responsible to look around and see who around us in the next generation needs us to come alongside them as well. You know, ultimately, that's the point of legacy. And that's why this makes sense to talk about here is that this intersects with that. So you may think, I don't have kids that are gonna be impacted by that building. You may think, been there, done that. Um, You may think, I'm not quite there yet. We all have the responsibility. Financially, um, from a family standpoint, we also all have the responsibility. These three families you saw here and the seven or eight that were at first service, we have a responsibility to come alongside them and to say, hey, how can I help you out? Can I bring a meal um, let me, let's go sit down and let's talk about what it means to be a dad to a brand new kiddo like that. We all have that responsibility to pass that faith along to the next generation. And I will say this, as we head into the holiday season, pay attention to what it is that makes the holidays feel like the holidays for you. And then take some of those simple practices and apply them to your everyday faith and family and the legacy that you're passing on to those around you here at Hillside. And I believe that if you do that, then then you will indeed have yourself a merry little Christmas and beyond. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus to this earth. He experienced life like we experienced life. He put on a body because a body matters. And just like we talked about here, you know, it's not just about having the right information. It's also about having the right practices and habits and, um, and surrounding that information with these regular daily traditions and habits so that that information can be pointed in the right direction, Lord. We love you, Jesus, that you are willing to take on that and teach us those lessons. We're also just so grateful that it's not that complicated. This isn't, overly heady stuff. You don't have to have a master's degree or a doctorate to do this, Lord. We can just look in your scripture and go, man, you were faithful there. Wow. You know, when I think about that, I see that you're going to be faithful in the future. And um, just help us to remember that, Lord, as we go into each and every day of this holiday season, that we can then apply some of those same things to our lives later. We're so grateful for you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.